Okay, let's begin to get ready for class. It feels a little bit bad for me to kind of stop all this fellowship so I can teach y'all about fellowship, you know? Not quite, not, not quite sure about that. <laughs> I, see, I see y'all are excellent students. You've been really paying good attention over the last three weeks. <clears throat> We're going to wind up today uh, with, with our last session. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to... Come and have his way. Lord God, we thank you for this cool, beautiful, sunny morning. And thank you for uh, the fellowship that's taking place here, the conversations, the love that we feel. Thank you that you are here. We want to turn our time over to you and ask you to be the Lord of it. Uh, Do speak to our hearts, um, to our minds. Uh, Be at work transforming us because we... We need it. Help us to lean into you today. Uh, give me the words to say. Uh, help the, the folks here to uh, be able to share what they're hearing from you. And uh, maybe we walk away uh, changed and richer for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, this is our last Sunday in February. So we're going to finish up talking about why we need each other. And I just want to remind you about something that we've been going through, a, a little book called Why Small Groups, and the reasons why it's good to be a part of a small group. Can I get a quick survey once again of the people that are uh, parts, uh, are participating in a small group? Okay, good. Well, we're talking about having a good biblical foundation for why we would do that. And here are the the four goals that we've talked. We talked about sanctification a couple of weeks ago. We talked about caring for one another, the list of the uh, the Greek word all alone, which means one another. We looked at that last week. Talked about fellowship and, you know, the difference between just hanging out and biblical fellowship. So we're going to wind up today talking about how a small group is a great place to practice the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I have a couple of quotes from the book that I want to just share with you. It says, God has given spiritual gifts to every Christian. Amen? Whether you realize it or not, he's given you these gifts. Whether you've developed them, cultivated them, you know, that's a different thing. But we have these gifts. And he fully expects us to use them. But in a church of any size at all, which is Father's Vineyard, is a church of any size at all. um, It's simply not feasible For every member to use these gifts on a Sunday morning. You know, we have kind of a varsity team that's up here in the front leading worship, right? But I bet if I looked around this room, there'd be plenty of people that at one level or another uh, could lead worship. And could even be that worship might be your gift, you know. Maybe you're not on the varsity squad. You're on the JV squad. Maybe you're down on the middle school team, but it's okay. That's your gift. And God gives us these gifts not to... Not for ourselves, but to bless each other. And God's given gifts to the people around you to bless you, right? Um, This quote goes on. It says, they can, in a small group though, in this smaller and more personal context, each one can serve according to the gifting of the Holy Spirit. 
This is the fourth and the final reason why small groups exist. You know, as you get down to a group of eight or ten people, and, uh, you know, we need each other. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is there, and he, he can uh, help us to learn ways to, to serve each other, bless each other, uh, help each other, and uh, be helped and served and blessed. The author of the Why Small Groups book says, I would recommend that you set the same goal for your group that Scripture sets, which is reaching the point where each member is able to serve others and glorify God with the unique gifting which has been imparted by the Spirit. Everybody should be bringing something to the party. <laughs> and I like that idea of a small group as a party, right? And, and we all need to be thinking about, well, what's my part? How can I help out? Um, I, I have been uh, attended churches where uh, I would, where you talk about a, a group of believers meeting together as the body of Christ. And I have been to, uh, visited churches where that body was a lot more like a paraplegic in a wheelchair, the, you know, the, the head was kind of working, the pastor's up there doing everything, you know, getting ulcers, killing themselves, and everybody else is just like super passive and happy to let him do it, to be, I'm going to be honest, and in a strange kind of twisted way, sometimes those pastors kind of like being the, you know, the star of the show, and, and they'll take on too much, and it's, it's not healthy. Not healthy at all. One of the things that I admire about Father's Vineyard is the way that so many people are plugged in in one way or another. Um, I, I was looking around for something that I could do to help out besides just time to time standing up here. And so last week, I was down on my hands and knees back there with the four and five-year-olds, you know, d during church while y'all are out here having a good time. And I'm I'm watching my, looking at my watch, and it's 11.50, and 11.55, and these kids are starting to get the better of me, and I'm going down, you know, 12.01, and I'm thinking, you know, if they don't hurry up and let out of that service, I'm going to let these kids out of here, and I'll let them run in, you know, <laughs> stuff. But just, you know, I love kids. I'm a grandpa. I know how to work with kids, so just a little something that, that I can do to, to help out. But so many different uh, areas that... Uh, our church is active in, and um, it's admirable. It's admirable. Uh, I could ask for a show of hands of how many of y'all already are plugged in somehow and doing something and a part of something, and there would be a lot of hands that go up here. But if you're not, uh, if you don't have something with when we all meet together, let me tell you, as soon as you get together in a little small group, there will be stuff that you can do. <laughs> Even if it's after the meeting, looking around and, you know, who's going to carry out the trash, <laughs> right? There's lots of ways that we can find to serve. Uh, and, and maybe it's more obvious and kind of in your face if it's just, you know, that little small group that you're meeting together with. So, everybody should be bringing some to the party. Uh, the small group that, that I've uh, become a part of now that's literal that uh, everybody's bringing food uh, every time we meet. We meet every other Sunday, and we've been doing some very good eating, and that's, that's wonderful, you know. 
that's not really my gift is the cooking, but I'm great at eating and enjoying the food. So anyway, I would like to, uh, I've got two slides here that just has some list of spiritual gifts. And I'd like to just read through this. And I haven't had you turn around and talk to anybody yet, but I'm getting ready to have you do it now. I'd like to see if you can pick out one, at least one, maybe two of the gifts that are listed up on, on this list and say, you know, maybe that's me. And look around to another person and say, you know, I, I, out of those, I would say I'm a little bit more wired to be this way or that way or the other way. Okay? So let's just read this. Uh, it's the, scattered all around. Uh, leadership. And you're looking for you. What might you be kind of that? What is, what is your area? What could you bring to the party? So leadership. Intercession. Healing. Hospitality. Apostleship, discernment, wisdom, administration, giving, helps, mercy, craftsmanship, faith, exhortation, shepherding, powers, expression, tongues, evangelism, the miraculous, and prophecy. I got another list. If you don't see yourself on this one, it's okay. But take a second. And turn around to somebody and say, you know, if, if I had to pick one of those, I would say maybe this or that one might be more like kind of the way I'm, uh, I'm leaning. Okay? Turn around and share with somebody. What do you think? Where do you think you see yourself? Okay, now, the next list that I'm going to show you is a list that I think was developed by a youth ministry, and they've, they've taken the, some of the different gifts that are mentioned in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. There's a couple of other lists that are smaller, but, um, and, and they've put these in words that more like the younger generation might understand, and maybe you'll see yourself here. Look at these lists. Believing, like the gift of faith, you know? Comforting, directing, discerning, encouraging, evangelizing, giving, learning, mentoring, organizing, pioneering, problem solving, speaking out, supporting, or teaching. Can you pick yourself out in, in those uh, and that list, see if there's one of those that you think kind of maybe would describe you and share that with the person beside you. Say, oh, this kind of be more like my area. Have you ever thought about it this way? 
when we talk about spiritual gifts, I always thought that was, that was my gift, a, a gift for me. But if you think about it, it's not really. <laughs> Whatever I'm receiving is to, supposed to be a gift for the, to the people around me. So imagine it's Christmas time. Christmas day has come and gone and the presents are all still stacked up underneath the tree. Are we in a place where we are able to give that gift to other people? Are we exercising our gifts? Are we sharing those gifts with other people? Or are we just sitting on them? And are they unwrapped under the tree? And I'm sure there are people that say, you know, I'm not real confident in this gift. How are you going to get more confident? (laughs) Practicing it, right? Just practicing it. Will you get it right every single time? Well, probably not. But that's okay, you know. I I think the Lord is pleased when we're trying to step out because... What are we doing when we're exercising, practicing these gifts? We're loving other people around us. We're blessing them. We're building them up. We're encouraging them. We're serving them. And God loves those people around you. How does he do it? Through you. You know, we need each other. And so through you and back to you again. And so this is just an encouragement to say, this is a charismatic church, guys. You know, we're all about the Holy Spirit. But are we? Are we really allowing God's Holy Spirit to do what he wants to through us? And are we being that gift that God wants us to be, you know, to each other? Are we in a place where we can do that? And Sunday morning... The varsity is going to town, and they're doing a heck of a job. But how about all the rest of us, right? Maybe we don't really find a good place to exercise those. And again, this is a, a shameless plug for small groups. But that's a, that is a good place where, where you can begin to find ways to put these into practice. I want to I kind of shift gears here a little bit then. We've, we've talked about those four, four big things that are the reasons for why we would recommend and encourage, promote uh, being a part of a small group. But I want to come back to our motto. See how I've got uh, a part of it covered up? This is a little test to see if you guys know how our motto goes. (laughs) Father's Vineyard. Okay, I bet you know the first one, right? Love God and then love people and then make something. (laughs) Good, good. Now, what if I covered more of it? Could you still get it? I'm sure you could. I just want to talk about, um, I just want to kind of wind up um, these four weeks with just really focusing in on the whole idea of being transformed and being changed. Uh, Because, again, there's this guy, you know, he got saved 32 years ago. He's sitting on the same spot, on the same pew all that time. And he's not not really changed much in all that time. And he's hearing sermons about how to be born again, how to be born again, how to be born again every Sunday. And there's altar calls and, you know, but what about the whole thing about what do we do once we're born again? What's next? Where do we go? And, and that's all about being transformed and being changed. Um, and, you know, 
if we're not intentionally pursuing God's work in our life, we can sit there for 32 years and pretty much be unchanged. You know, Jesus will come back and he'll, he'll take us along. But the Lord has so much more for us. You know, he has so much more for us. And I think just to get to the place where we're humble enough to say, God, I bet you do have more for me. And I want it. You know, I, re I really want it. Yeah. Um, as you get older. <laughs> yeah. You talk about you. Okay. <laughs> Um, but young people that have children, that's, that's like, wow, okay? So even getting away, and uh, I was listening to a Christian comedian talk about how <laughs> there's a struggle sometimes getting kids to church, like, you know, and it, it was funny. It was, uh -huh. God, man, I, it made me laugh because it was that way, but mm -hmm. when it got to be too much of a way, and I'm a, I was a single mom, I, I had to say, look, this is not the Jesus way. Yeah. Lynn, you're, you're bringing up a really good point that I want to put out to everybody and, you know, turn around and talk to somebody about this question. I know God wants me to be growing and to be being healed and to be experiencing more of his peace and joy in my life. I, I know what he wants for me. Why isn't that happening in so many people around this country and around the world what, what are the things that hinder us from just becoming, you know, all that God wants us to be? What, what keeps us from being transformed? Can you turn around and talk to somebody about that? Let's get some feedback on that. <clears throat> if you need to move around and get close to somebody, please do just... So,
I bet we could spend the rest of the rest of our time talking about this topic. Because there's probably a lot of answers. One of the things that comes to my mind immediately is the parable of the sower and the seed. And the different reasons why that seed didn't grow. So, um, let, me, let me just start back towards the back there. Any ideas from, from you guys about wh- what, what hinders us? Well, I think, um, well, we're learning this in our class, but being offendable and um, just not loving people where they are and being offended by just little things will keep us from growing. Yeah, kind of pushing people back. Yeah. That's good. I and I I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's really good. Somebody else. What's another thing? Yeah. concern. Yeah. Yeah. How about this side of the room? Yep. Just one thing about trick questions. If you notice, since I don't know when, um, it's there's that tendency to not answer something quickly, like you know, whatever. It's like it's a trick question. There's something going on there about that. But you know, when you get in with the fellowship, or you just here, just this, come to come to Sunday school, come Wednesday night. You learn that it's not that. Yeah. You can trust. You've learned your trust. Yeah. And and that would keep you from growing is you if you had trust issues, for sure. Yeah. Yep. What was it? Yeah. 
I was thinking about that word insecurity, you know, when you're talking about being unoffendable. And if you're insecure, then you're just kind of like, you're not letting anybody get real with you. You're scared of what they're going to say. And so you keep them all off at arm's length, right? But apathy, just kind of like, and there's a lot of, there's different reasons that you can kind of get apathetic too. Somebody had a hand up back there. Yeah. Yep. Deceitfulness of riches. Uh-huh. You know, you can wake up and your life is gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you haven't trusted in God as El Shaddai, the one you're trying to get filled up for retirement, mm-hmm. trying to do all these different things. And that certainly gets the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of people see that. Um, but I, I think there has to be some balance in that area. I do think that we have to be able to confront hard truths about ourselves in order to grow. Mm-hmm. But I also think that we have to build relationships with people in order to be in a place where we can say those things. Yeah. That somebody that just passes by me on Sunday morning and I don't really know them. Well, mm-hmm. that might not be the person, to speak, even though I need yep. to hear that truth, yep. that might not be the person unless that person is able to develop trust yep. in our relationship because I think that sometimes we are just blunt people. Mm-hmm. Not, and, and so sometimes I think we have a right to be heard that we don't have. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that we have to find a balance in relationships. Yep. Not being easily offended and being willing to accept truth, but also having the discernment to know what we can and can't say to someone, or how right. we should or shouldn't say yeah. that to someone. Yeah, that's that's really that's really good, and that's we've we've said several times about speaking the truth in love, and in the context of a really trust you've you've earned that trust, and you you know that that person loves you. And then you're in a place where you can hear from them. Um, one thing nobody said is that the devil is hell-bent on you not, you know, being transformed. So you have a deceiver and an enemy of your soul who would love to just see you. You know, he got upset when you got saved. But if he can just kind of keep you, you know, immature and, you know, ineffective and then, okay, he'll try that. For me, I, I think I, I'll be kind to myself. You know, I muddled along and did the best I could pretty much all my life. <laughs> Is anybody else here, like, just muddling along, doing the best that you can, you know? I've, I mean, I'm not trying to be ignorant. I'm not trying to resist God's work in my life. I just, you know, I'm I'm just doing the best I can. But what happened to me is that I I understood a lot of this stuff about Christianity. I mean, I understood it in my head. If you'd given me a little test or something, I 
I could have scored quite well, you know. I'm, but the distance between right hip here, of, of what I understand, and then down here, what I was living, and there was these huge blind spots, like insecurity, okay? Like, do I know Jesus loves me? Well, of course, you know, any first grader in Sunday school, you know, knows that. Am I living like Jesus loves me? Well, then what's all this stuff about comparing myself or feeling insecure and all that? You know? So what happens is my actions speak a lot louder than my words. And my real theology is not what I write down on a paper. It's what comes out of me every day. It's my responses. It's it's how I'm acting. It's my emotions and how I'm feeling. That's, that's the true. That's what I really believe. And, and um, Debbie, bless her heart. You know, she's standing over there. She can probably see it clear as a bell. And I'm just blind <laughs> to it, right? We need each other. We need each other. And so a lot of this stuff about transformation, it, I don't think it's like just real clear. Like, oh, Here's your problem. You just need to let God do this. It's like unaware. I, I just, I didn't see it. I, I'm just muddling along doing the best I can in the middle of everything that's going on. And uh, so it wasn't like I was saying no to God or pushing him back or not wanting that stuff to happen. It's just, I, I, I thought I understood. I thought I knew the right thing. And I, I had myself kind of convinced that, Oh, yeah, yeah, I got that. But down here, I didn't really have it. So I want to lead us through a, a, just a couple things here. Um, about, about loving God and loving people. There's two arrows there. And, and one is talking about the vertical relationship with God. And the other one is more like the horizontal relationship with the people around us. And both of them are talking about love, Right? But um, this is such a beautiful verse right here that we, um, we love because he first loved us. And so I don't think we could even, we couldn't even love until we begin to understand that we are loved. And, you know, I, the, um, the, there's a quote that says, the art of the Christian life is loving well. The art of the Christian life is loving well. And I, I, I could give myself pretty good scores until I finally start thinking, say, well, how, much, how, how well do I really love God? And how well do I really love the people around me? And then I start to feel a little... I realize I got a long way to go. And maybe what I need to do is understand more and more how much God loves me. And if I can really get that, not just here on a test, but if I can get that down here, then maybe I'll do a better job of loving the people around me. I heard this on the radio a couple years ago, and it really impacted me. Again, not at a head level, but at a heart level. If I could have gotten out of bed this morning, just so convinced, down deep, that my father was crazy about me. 
and that he's got a smile on his face is just ear to ear. And, and I am just overwhelmed by his love for me. Think about it. What, what is that going to do in my horizontal relationships? And so I've got four of these questions. Not about what you know about God, but what you're experiencing with God. What, what is your identity down here? Do you understand this? Do you get this? How much of this have you really taken to heart? How much has this migrated, you know, these 15 inches from up here down to here? Where you woke up this morning like beyond a shadow of a doubt, <laughs> knowing that you're loved. I want to just ask this question, and I'm going to ask it four times. There's a little quote up at the top that I've just learned uh, yesterday. Who It's from a guy, uh, uh, John Maxwell. He said, people may teach what they know, but they reproduce what they are. You might teach what you've learned up here in your head, but you're going to reproduce who you are. And let me tell you what, God's family is all about reproduction. He wants to see his family spread throughout the world. And that's not going to come from you studying and, you know, things that you know. It's going to come from that miracle that he's doing in your heart each day, transforming you and letting his love become so real. So real that it just, you can't help it. It just splashes out on people, you know. So I want you to turn to somebody. And maybe this has been your struggle. It was mine for such a long time. Just turn to somebody there around you and just say, what if in your heart of hearts you were absolutely 100% convinced that God was crazy about you? What difference would that make in your relationship with the people around you? Just take a second and talk about that. Just for the sake of time, I'm going to ask another question. Here's another truth. And, and that is that we are very valuable to God. I think so many people struggle because they could say that in their head, but do they believe it down here? That we are worthy of dignity and that we are worthy 
of, of God's love. There's this parable that I misunderstood for a long time about the pearl of great price. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he had found one, one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. And you know, Jesus was the one that sold all that he had to buy us. Because we were worth that much to him. We're that valuable to him. And so, maybe that's your struggle. I mean, maybe you know it up here. Well, yeah, of course I know that. But do you have, how deep is that down inside? And so just take us, just briefly, turn and comment to someone about that. If you, if you really had that down deep, what would that do in your relationships with other people around you? Turn and talk to somebody about that. Let me move to a, a third question. And that's the question about God's forgiveness. And you know, uh, I've heard people say, I know God forgives me, I just can't forgive myself. Oh, my word. Uh, yeah. So, again, this is something that we can, under, you know, we can say, well, sure. You know, Jesus died on the cross to forgive me my sin. But how many people in their day-to-day, in the way that they're interacting with people, and, and uh, they, they, they don't have that assurance. And that they're walking around carrying a burden of, of guilt still. They don't, they're not free You've heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people. I like this one. <laughs> Forgiven people, forgive people. But it's, it's, not, it's not just like you understand about forgiveness. It's you're living it. That's your identity. That's, that's who you are. And you're so free that well, turn to somebody and say, what would that do in your relationships with other people? If you were completely convinced, <laughs> not up here, down here. That you were forgiven, that you were free. What would that do to your relationships?
Okay, my last question then is this one. This has been one that I, I've been, I keep working on. I, I need to keep understanding this. But this idea that only God can really, truly satisfy you. You're his, he is yours. And how many of us have spent a lifetime chasing after so many things and, and not really found that deep, deep satisfaction that only he can give to us. And let me just ask you this. If you could get to that place in your life where in your heart of hearts you were satisfied, what's that going to do to your relationships with everybody else? You're not needy anymore. You don't need to be a taker. You can be a giver. Well, let me just wind up like this. And uh, uh, Brother Andy, I'm going to have you. Can you come up just a minute? Um, So I just want to leave you with these questions. So what we're talking about is not just more stuff in your head, you know, like taking notes and passing quizzes. This is talking about being changed deep in your life, your heart. Is that something that you desire? Is that something that you're seeking in your life? Well, first thing is the love God, the vertical. You know, let's lean into him with all we have. But the second thing is, is that this transformation you seek, then we should be drawing closer to one another. Because God can use us to help each other. To be able to grow like this. We do really need each other. And I'd like to just take a minute and pray for us. And then I'd like to introduce Andy Evans. Who is our director of the life groups in the church. And maybe Andy you'll need to borrow a little pencil and a piece of paper from someone. We've talked about this. Step out this way where these guys can see you. <laughs> um, we'd like to really challenge everybody that if, you're, if you've not thought about being part of a life group, maybe that's something the Lord would put on your heart. And um, if you'd like to just get your name down on a list and a phone number or something like that. Andy, what, what's the best way for them to... Maybe we could start with that and then we can get in touch with them. Yep. All right. So I'm going to leave Andy here and can... Can one of y'all help out with a yeah, little piece of paper? Okay, good. All right, so after we pray, if you're, if you're feeling led, uh, we'd encourage you to, to do that. Yes.
Why don't you? I'm just sharing that. Yeah, that's not a bad idea at all. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's pray. And if you would, um, let me just invite you to reach out and take the hand of somebody that you've been chatting with this morning. Uh, and you just kind of feel that connection, you know, we need each other. Father God, I thank you for the gift that you've given to me through my brothers and sisters. And I thank you for the way that they can see around my blind spots and love me anyway and help me to grow. Thank you for the comfort, the support, the encouragement they've been to me over the years. Thank you for the opportunities that you've given me to do the same back to them. Lord, we don't want to just be that guy that's been sitting on the pew for 32 years. We want you to change us, transform us. Because we need more of the love that you have for us. Not in our head, but deep down in our heart. We need to understand your forgiveness. We need to understand how much you value us. We need to understand your satisfaction. We want more of your peace in our lives. We want more of your healing. We want more of your joy in our lives. We want what you want for us. And help us to be able to move towards that by reaching out, putting our arms around each other, and helping each other along that journey. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, if you're interested in coming up and chatting with Andy and just leaving your name and number off, please do. And uh, it's been a real treat and a privilege to spend this month with you guys. God bless you.